What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. This is a very special episode of the Volleyball Source Podcast. My name is Rob St. Clair, uh, not Everett Delorme once again. I'm kind of hijacking Everett's show, and he'd better be very careful because while this is a Canadian YouTube channel, uh, there's a, s- a certain American flavor taking over this thing in the last couple weeks. And speaking of which, I'm being joined by a very, very special guest. Uh, he is a reigning champion of the CEV Champions League. Uh, he's back for his second year with Zaksa Kendrzyn Kojle, uh, live from Poland, one of the best liberos in the world, Mr. Eric Shoji. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Can't wait to start talking about some volleyball. But first, I do have to say, I just want to thank you guys. This podcast, this show is incredible. I, I, I am a fan. I do tune in every once in a while. And I just want to thank you guys for all the work you've been putting in. It's awesome. I think it's great for fans around the world and hopefully some some new viewers as well. So keep it up. That Thank you very much. That's very high praise. And uh, if anybody hasn't checked out Eric's YouTube channel as well, uh, it's phenomenal. It's so cool to hear breakdowns from a player of that caliber, like who played in some of the matches. And you just did one recently of the last 10, 15 points or so of last year's Champions League final, uh, like which went deep into extra points where you guys won that trophy over Trentino in the finals. So definitely go check that one out. It was, I, I loved watching it, uh, reliving just how ridiculously good Camille Semenyuk was in the end of that match. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. I mean, so fun to look back at that. I, I, on my channel, I'm kind of going to go through the summer here in, in chronological order, but that was a match I absolutely needed to watch and, and, you know, talk about and review and, and, and live again. So that was definitely a fun one, but insane environment, insane finals. Happy to get that Champions League win, my first gold, and hopefully going for another one. Hopefully going for another one, and your club, Zaxa, has won the last two, and a three-peat in Champions League is very rare territory, so that would be an all-time achievement. But before we jump into this year's tournament, because there is a lot to get to it, that tell me, Eric, about your experience in Champions League, because you've played in it for a lot of different clubs all over Europe and what its significance is to you in your career. Yeah, I think playing in Champions League is a big deal for any player. For me, this is my 11th season as a professional. I believe it's my sixth in Champions League, which I've been really fortunate to play in and compete in. I think any time that you can play around Europe and get a little bit more exposure to different clubs, different countries, it's one, just great experience for you, and it's also great for potentially moving up in your career and and finding different career opportunities so it's been a blessing to play in it it can be tough travel i won't lie sometimes but overall it it, it's it's good yeah yeah i think you said in the your last youtube video that in your opinion it's the third biggest thing that you can win in all of volleyball behind only the olympics and the world championship and i agree I, i think it's exactly right there it's clearly the most prestigious club competition in the world and by the time we get to the the final eight or in in this year's case the final 11 uh those those like semifinals and the super finals like those matches produce some of the most ridiculous volleyball you'll see anywhere all year every year it's it's just incredible so uh, i totally agree that the significance of this champions league you just can't overstate it yeah i think i think there a lot of people might argue for the club world championships the fivb club world championships However, that's a little bit more regionalized. So it's just like one from Brazil, one from Argentina. Um, It doesn't necessarily bring like maybe the 16 best teams from around the world into the tournament. So yeah, do you want to win that tournament? Of course. But I think Champions League just has the most, you know, condensed amount of great players and teams in one event that you can find. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, we've been, Everett and I on the 9x9 and other shows have been critical of the Club World Championship because it's only six teams and we don't love the format all that much and it just doesn't feel like it has the gravity the Champions League has. And although I don't think the Champions League format is perfect, it does produce some just ridiculous, ridiculous volleyball every year and yeah, the prestige of it will will never go away. So with that yeah, said... I mean, a, a little, excuse me, I inter- no, interrupt, a little anecdote to, to Club World Champs. We... Zoxa, and Kozle, we were supposed to play in it last season. Um, it was held in Brazil. Obviously, the, the team and the club would have loved to go. But granted, you know, we have the Polish League, you have the Champions League, you have the Polish Cup. There was almost no time for us to fit in that match, and it would have meant delaying one or two matches. And then on top of that, it would have meant flying 
all the way from Brazil to Novosibirsk, Russia in Siberia directly to play a Champions League game. So these are the kind of schedule conflicts that clubs and players have to deal with. And at the end of the day, we figured that Champions League was a little bit more important than this club world championship. So we opted out, unfortunately, but in the long run, I guess things kind of worked out last season. So <laughs> that's kind of kind of the, the battle that teams have to face sometimes. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that happening. You you and Zoxa last year were in the midst of just a ridiculous calendar, like just the, the craziest travel schedule ever. And flying to Brazil to play a club world championship ended up not really being a reasonable thing for your club to do. And you chose not to do it. And you walked away with winning a Champions League anyway. So I think that that yeah. story right there is is, uh, <laughs> is perfect to demonstrate the like the priority that that is the Champions League. Yeah. All right, so let's let's jump into this thing. The 2023 Champions League is getting underway. Uh, I think the well, it's actually being it's going on right now, and that's I'm talking about the earlier rounds of the Champions League where there's like every every country in Europe gets at least one team. You play all these earlier rounds, and then there are two teams that are from the rounds that are playing right now that'll advance to the fourth round. And while it's called the fourth round, that's a little bit confusing. The fourth round is basically like the regular season. It's where it gets. It's, it's where the good teams, or like the championship caliber teams, start their tournament. And uh, here is what we know right now about the draw for the 20 teams that will play in the fourth round of the 2023 Champions League. So the fourth round will start in about November. I think I was looking at the schedule, like maybe the second or third week in November is when these matches get going on. And so we already know 18 of the teams participating. And uh, like I said, the last two will be made up of teams that are playing right now in the earlier rounds and will advance to this stage. So uh, before we jump into the pools in particular, Eric, I think we've got to address something here. And that's that there are no Russian teams in this year's Champions League. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, there's the, the reasons for excluding the Russian teams from Champions League are well documented. And if, in my opinion, it makes sense. And there was a, a lot of the drama around the timing of that last year with uh, like the Russian teams advancing to the quarterfinals and then immediately having to forfeit matches and all that. And this year, they're just straight up not included in Champions League. As, as much as the, the reasons are what they are, we have to acknowledge that the level top to bottom of this Champions League without the Russian teams is down compared to most years. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. And obviously, I'm not here to knock any teams. That's It's not my brand. I, you know, I love to keep things positive. But the fact of the matter is that we're bringing in teams that normally wouldn't be in the Champions League. For example, a Duran team from, from Germany, who is a third place team, I believe, from Germany. And I'm not sure that they've ever been in Champions League, maybe once or twice in, in, their, in their lifetime. But yeah, it's true. We're bringing in, you know, a third German team, I believe. A second a Belgian team? That one A really second Belgian me. team, things like that. So we're replacing a Kazan, a Novosibirsk, a Dinamo Moscow with these teams, which the truth of the matter is that they are a little bit weaker, yes. And you played in Russia for several years for uh, Fakel and Novosibirsk. And like you understand, of course, like, well, playing in Champions League as a Russian team, but just the caliber of volleyball and the, the quality of whatever three teams from Russia playing Champions League in a given year. So you of all people know that that takes pretty much three potential championship contenders off the board right away. Yeah, absolutely. I think any Russian team that comes into the Champions League is usually a medal favorite. You know, they're a team that can can make a quarterfinal, make a run to the final. Kazan, who is the perennial power, probably the most Champions League in history, I believe. So as a competitor, maybe you're... you're it's like, well, at least maybe they're not in. Like, we have a, a better chance of winning this year, but they deserve to be there. It's just, it at this point in time, it's not happening. Yeah, and the reasons for it are what they are. But, the, yeah, I just think it's just got to be acknowledged that without Russian teams in the tournament this year, the level overall is a little bit weaker. And I think that it will still produce crazy good matches when we get to later in the tournament. But in pools, there there isn't quite there aren't quite as many pools as usual that are really stacked and don't have a total clear favorite. Now, there are a couple exceptions to that as, as we'll break them down. But, uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's just important to note that, that this is a – very different feeling Champions League from normal for that reason. Yes, absolutely. All right, so should we jump into it? Want to start with Pool A Let's and check, check out the teams? All right. Got it. So 
so pool a uh four teams in this pool we already know who they are uh the format of pool play by the way in champions league is double round robin so every team will play six matches against each of the other three teams in their pool twice each uh home and away and we'll get to uh the criteria for advancing out of the pool later on in the show but so the the four teams in pool a we got yashemsky vagil in Poland, a team that Eric knows extremely well. We've got Friedrichshafen from Germany. We've got Montpellier from France. And we've got Novi Sad from Serbia. So I think we should start with Jaszczemski, Eric, because, I mean, you, you can tell us all about this team. I think they're the clear favorite, in my opinion, uh, and have a pretty decent chance to be a real player in the Polish Plus Liga like they are most years. So tell us a little bit about Jaszczemski, especially, especially considering all the battles that you had against them last year in both Poland and Champions League. Yeah, I believe we played them 10 times last season, nine or 10 times in in all of last year. So they're very familiar to me. They have pretty much the exact same team as they did last year. Um, Three French gold medalists and some extremely good players around them as well. Tomasz Fornal, who was a player on the Polish national team, and their libero is extremely um, good as well. So I'm expecting a 6-0 sweep from them. Possibly dropping a couple of team uh, sets, excuse me, but I I am expecting 18 points from them. They're very good, very solid. They got aced 15 times last match and won easily in four sets. So <laughs> um, they're a team that can they're a team that can find a way to win. Yeah, they can. I mean, they have one of the best setters to ever do it in Benjamin Toniuti. And I mean, I don't care that he's not the starter for the French national team anymore. He will make every team that he's on better. I think we saw that with Zaxa two years ago. And they've got some pretty serious firepower. I mean, Fornal and Cleveno on the outsides is an awesome duo. And then they've got two very different opposites in Stefan Boyer, who's like crazy, dynamic, explosive, high contact point, but really streaky versus Jan Hadrava, who's really, really consistent. And then, like you said, great at libero with Popijacak and great in the middle. So I didn't know that. I mean, they, 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 I guess you're talking about the Olsten match that they just played where they got ace 15 times and won easily. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they, they're a team that has a lot of different ways to win. And obviously last match, they're an extremely good passing team. And that with Olsten, it, it just wasn't quite there. We also played Olsten and they're a great serving team. So they're going to find a way to win. They battle. Um, last year, we we kind of had their number, but I do think that they're definitely the favorite in this group. Yeah, I think they're just more talented at every position than the other teams in this group for sure. And while I, I think they do have a couple weaknesses against like elite level, like other Champions League contender teams, I don't see anybody in this pool challenging them. I agree. I think 6-0, 18 points is very possible. Definitely. That's my prediction. Going out there right now. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't see them losing a match. And that, that will be a huge advantage when we get to the bracket in terms of how, like, because you don't just have to win your pool. Uh, your ranking amongst the other teams that also win their pools determines where you get seated. I actually think it's a decent idea to just talk about this now. Uh, let's look at, let's look at yeah. the bracket now because it'll kind of frame how we talk about the rest of this pool phase. So th- this is very, very different from Champions Leagues of the past. You've got the bracket on the screen right now. It is now 11 teams. It's not eight teams anymore. Actually, no, I, I can't count. 13 teams. <laughs> Wait, no, I can't count. 11, 11 teams. <laughs> My bad. I'm being confusing. Um, 11 teams. And it's, it's not drawn by lots anymore like it has been in the past. So previously, all you had to do was make it out, and then you, get, you got randomly drawn into a position in the bracket. Uh, not anymore. Uh, everybody, We know now like exactly where teams will be seated in the bracket based on how they do in pool play. So if you win your pool, the five pools of four, if you win, you get a bye straight to the quarterfinals, the round of eight. So you can see those five pool winners there on that second column. If you take second in your pool, uh, you're guaranteed to advance. And then the top-ranked third-place team in a pool in the whole tournament will also advance. So those six teams, the five second-place teams and then the top-ranked third-place team, they'll play in kind of this play-in round uh, 
before like to advance to take on one of the first place teams and you can see the matchups right there we know exactly who will play who based on however pool play goes and with a pool like pool a where we really think that yashemsky will go six and oh with 18 points their ranking compared to other teams that might be good enough to win their pool but if they have a more competitive pool, might drop a set or drop a couple points here and there. It's really, really likely that Yashemsky is going to get an outstanding seed, maybe the number one overall seed in the bracket. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's a it's a format that every point matters, every set matters, every match matters. Obviously, it's very similar, which we can talk about later, to the World Championship format in which we just played, um, which was presented its challenges i'll be honest but it was a great format to know that you had to go in there and battle every day in day out every single point mattered and what's interesting i think that the fibb do and ceb is doing is that they're creating these single elimination brackets from what i know is this single elim or is this a home and away during this the is, playoffs as well i i think that the, each matchup is home and away i oh, think okay okay uh, I've got to double check on that because that's what it's it's been in the past where up until the finals, which is just one match on a neutral site, uh, every series is home and away. Uh, I'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case again. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, it's still cool to have bracket play to know exactly yeah. like who you're going to match up with and and what's going on there. So I like I don't mind the format. I think it's a little bit interesting with the with the buys and eleven teams, but. You know, they, they give us a format early. You got to deal with it and and hope and play. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's all you can do. I, I kind of agree. I, I'm not a huge fan of the drawing of lots idea. It seems like a very, very European thing. And maybe just my American sports experience. I'm not used to that being such a focus. I kind of like it better when it's just set. Like, this is the bracket. This is where you're going to be placed based on pool play. And, and the world championship, like you were talking about, was exactly the same thing. We were... I know you and I, Eric, were messaging a bunch like, okay, if this team wins, if this team wins, if this team takes this spot in this pool with this many points, like where are they going to match up? It was, it was kind of crazy to follow along with that. I think it's a little bit better for the fans too. Do you agree with that? Just to kind of know, know the, the expectations of the bracket? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Poland-USA mat- matchup of world champs was a topic of discussion before the tournament even started. <laughs> so yeah, it it's, it's a good... It, you know, it creates some drama there. It, it sucked being on Team USA, <laughs> obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I like knowing where we're going to go, who the matchups are, and, and what you need to watch. Because it, it can kind of eliminate the thought process of, oh, these teams over there. If I know I'm not going to play those teams, I don't worry about those teams. Right. So as a player, you can focus, and maybe as a fan as well. Yeah, that, that's pretty well said. So that's a little more the case for Champions League this year. Uh, I think this is going to be pretty well received. I know 11 teams is a weird number, but uh, I kind of like the way this bracket works out, and they're re- rewarding all of the teams that win their pools uh, with at least uh, like at least yes. getting straight to the quarterfinals. And I think that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so we talked about Yashemsky. Back, back looking at Pool A because it's, like we said, I think it's pretty likely they go 6-0 with 18 points. They might get that number one overall seed. Uh, let's go over the rest of the teams in this pool really quickly. Uh, VFB Friedrichshafen in Germany. I mean, they've certainly been here before. This is a perennial Champions League team. Oh, Eric, you played in Germany for a while. You saw these guys a lot. Uh, they've got a couple pretty good names on the roster. Uh, Dejan Vincic setting Serbian guy is really good. Uh, two Canadians and uh, Blair Ban at Libero, who's great, and uh, Andre Brown at middle blocker. A couple good outside hitter characters. Uh, Vicentin, this Argentinian guy, is pretty good. Uh, Kacic, the I think he's from Montenegro. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Superlock, the opposite that came over from Vershava in the offseason. Yeah, so that was the, the, the one that I wanted to talk about was Superlock from, from Poland. I played against him twice last year. And he's a potential difference maker, I think, um, he's a big guy, pretty typical opposite that can bang a high ball and put some balls away and put a lot of pressure on serve. So he's going to be a factor for them. I think if he plays well, they are definitely a second place team. If not, I'm not so sure. I'm not, I don't know the other teams that well, but you know, they'll be right in there. I think they're a team that can get second or third for sure. Yeah, I agree. They kind of had a miracle run in Germany last year where they, they almost won the league. It was crazy. We were yeah. talking about it on the 9 by 9 as it was happening. They came out of nowhere and almost beat Berlin in the finals. Uh, but they're just not quite 
definitely across the board not as talented as Yashimsky. Uh, but I agree. I think they've got enough pieces and enough high ball scoring ability. Superlock certainly helps to definitely advance out of this pool. I would say they they would hold seed and take second. Yeah. Well, we can talk about after all the teams. I'm not quite sure. We'll go through the other teams first. That's true. (laughs) Okay. I I like that. A little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, Let's move on to the next team. uh, That's Montpellier coming out of France. My general overview is don't sleep on the French League. Uh, There are some good teams and some good players in the French League. Uh, Argentina and Brazil in particular really like to send a lot of guys to France to play. Uh, Same with the United States and Canada. There are a bunch of Americans or North Americans playing uh, in the French League this year. Uh, Montpellier in particular, the only one I know of is Danny Demunenko, the Canadian in the middle. But they've got Nicolas Legoff, who's an Olympic starter, who's a monster. Uh, they've got Teo Farr at opposite, who's one of the great young os- opposite prospects in the world who just hasn't quite broken through on the national team yet. And then they have uh, Ezekiel Palacios at outside from Argentina, who's an Olympic bronze medalist and is really experienced as well. So Montpellier, Friedrichshafen battle for second. I think those two matches are going to be really good. Yeah, I think those are going to be great matches, like you said. Definitely don't sleep on the French League. You know, when I was looking up rosters and looking up lineups, it's not a a league or teams that are going to stick out to you based on names, right? It's a lot of maybe under the radar, right under the national team level kind of guys, a lot of Argentinians, Brazilians, like you said. But they're very, very good volleyball players. It's a very skilled league that may not have the power of Russia or Italy or Poland, but they're going to be crafty. You know, they're going to really frustrate a lot of teams. And when I was looking at this roster, I was impressed as well. However, they did lose their home opener to St. Nazaire, um, but it is, is the first is, game. Wow. Is that Kyle Ensing's team? That is Kyle Ensing and um, the other American. Uh, Quinn Isaacson, maybe? Quinn, yeah. Still, yeah. Quinn, Quinn's my friend, and I couldn't remember his name. Oh, yeah, he's great. Um, but yeah, they did lose that first match. Okay, teams lose. But <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to be a team to look out for in this pool. Yeah, French League's kind of a bloodbath. It's fun. I was just looking at the results of week one over the weekend. Like, wow, there's some good matches and a lot of a lot of pretty good teams in the French League. It's funny because as a lot of people know about Champions League, you it if to make it into Champions League, you have to finish high enough in your domestic league the previous year. And with so much movement going on in the offseason every year with rosters moving around like crazy, uh, a team that was really good the year before and earned a Champions League spot might have a rough offseason and might not be nearly as good the following year. We've seen that in the French League before. I mean, last year, I think Khan played after winning the league the previous year, and they were one of the worst Champions League teams I've ever seen. So it can be pretty yeah. random with that, but I don't see that from this Montpellier team. I think they're going to be pretty good, and they're very real chance they advance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with that Khan example, especially with the world situation today, you just never know what sponsors are going to come through for your team right. or or how your budget is going to be affected by gas prices or a small restaurant that can't pay and and provide a sponsor for you. So teams go up and down. It's just the way it is. And, you know, sometimes you win the league and then you're not quite as good the next year. That's just it's just how it is sometimes. Yeah, the, this is the world of club volleyball sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say th- two, three main players in this pool. I think Yashemsky is going to advance easily. I think Friedrichshaf and Montpellier will do some good battles for second and third. I don't quite see it from Novi Sad, uh, the last team in this pool. Uh, Vojvodina Novi Sad from Serbia. They played Champions League last year. They, I think they grabbed a, a random win. They might have beaten Zenit St. Petersburg randomly once last year. Yeah, they did. They did. I believe so. That was the match when Jenny when Grabenikov played outside hitter. Yes, <laughs> yes. All sorts of craziness. Uh, <laughs> the only names I recognized on the Novi Sad roster were Rado Parapunov, uh, the Bulgarian lefty who played at Hawaii, and then uh, Petar Kursmanovic apparently is playing back home in Serbia, and he's a legitimately excellent middle blocker. I was surprised. That, uh, I guess if he left Russia, there's probably some good reasons for that, but I was surprised. Uh, to see him on this Novi Sad roster. He's really good. Yeah, exactly the two names that I wrote down. Um, not a lot of familiar names for me, but those two players are great. I think Rado is improving. He hasn't quite shown it on the international level yet, but Krasmanovic, world-class middle, great guy, and hopefully can elevate this team. I I don't know if I see them competing for a, a second or third spot, but I do think they're going to give Friedrichshafen and Montpellier a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, I'd say they're... 
in, in the conversation for the best like fourth seeded team in a pool. I think that yeah. they're less of a pushover than some of the other teams that I might see in later down in the pools as we'll talk about. Yeah. 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 All right. So, yeah, I, mean, I think, I think this pool is interesting. We talked about that one third place team that is going to advance. And I think a third place team is going to have to have three or four wins to advance and be the best third place team. I think they're going to have definitely have to beat, for example, a Montpellier is definitely going to have to beat Novi Sad twice and then hopefully steal, you know, a match or a couple of points from Friedrichs often. So it's going to be a battle. I think this is a pool that those top three teams potentially could all advance based on beating each other. Yeah, I agree. That's possible. I think you're going to have to get to three wins for sure as a third place team to have a chance. And may, maybe four, I don't know if four is even mathematically possible, but uh, I don't see either of these teams beating Yashemsky, and that might hurt him. Uh, so we'll see. That that race for that one third-place team to make it out is actually going to be pretty fun yeah. to follow along with. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Yashemsky, Montpellier, Friedrichshafen. Okay. Got the, the French team over the German team. Uh, I'll, I'll go Friedrichshafen in second. Uh, I think that that'll, that'll be really tight, but uh, I like Friedrichshafen's firepower maybe over Montpellier's mm. skill. I, I like those matchups a lot. All right, uh, ready to move on to Pool B? Let's do it. Let's do it. So Pool B is a really interesting one. Uh, first of all, we've got one of those open spots in that fourth slot for one of the teams that will play their way up from the earlier rounds of Champions League. And whoever that is is going to really have their hands full because the top three teams in this pool are pretty loaded. I think this is probably the most balanced pool of three teams of, of any of them. Uh, and, I mean, Berlin, the Berlin Recycling Volleys at the top of the pool might not even be the best team in this pool on paper. They might not even be the second best team in this pool on paper. Uh, but let's start with them because, Eric, you used to play for the Berlin Recycling Volleys. You've got a lot of familiarity there. Uh, they're just, you can betting favorites to win the German league, the Bundesliga every single year without fail. And even though they, they lost a lot this off season, I still see them winning, winning Germany once again. But uh, given what the Berlin roster situation is this year, do you think that they have a chance of competing for, I mean, to make it out of champions league, make it out of this pool would be a good achievement for them. Do you think that they've got a shot in this competitive pool B? I think they have a shot. I think I, I saw them about a week ago in Poland at a friendly tournament and they're a little bit beat up trying to work through things. It's a new roster, like you said, but I think they always have a fighting chance. Berlin always manages to come through. I think they've advanced pretty much every year since my brother and I were on the team back, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago. So you know, you never count them out. They do so well at home. It's a great home court to play on. And, you know, I'm going to give them a fighting chance. I think I'm going to say a second or a top third place team, just like the like pool A. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to place them there. I mean, they they lose Ben Patch, who I think was the highest paid player in the whole Bundesliga last year. And he is choosing to take a little break from volleyball. Uh, I know he was just on Taylor Averill's podcast, and I'm fascinated to listen to that and hear a little bit more about the details of that. But um, they, they've that's that's big shoes to fill as far as just scoring output. And they've got this Marek Schotola guy, uh, the lefty from the Czech Republic, who played a little last year, who I like, but I, I I don't know if he's like Ben Patch level production. And they've got setter shoes to fill as well with a uh, Sergey Grankin leaving, uh, Johannes Tila, young German guy, and then Angel Trinidad who also played in Poland last year. One of those two guys will be the setter, and I'm not really sure who just yet. Yeah, I think Trinidad has been starting. Um, he started in that preseason tournament. He played in Poland, he, so he has a lot of experience. I think in Berlin, there's a different amount of pressure because you are supposed to win that league. I know that president, who I love very much, um, gets on the setters a lot. So we'll see how they perform. I think in terms of the opposite um, Sotola actually ended up starting at the end of the year over Ben. I remember season. that. Yeah. So they're they're comfortable with him. I I believe that they trust him 100% and think that he can make a difference. So it's just whether they can find that consistency and consistent firepower to compete with who was talking about Xavier Che and Hulk Bonk here. 
Yeah, and they've got two great middles. Uh, Anton Brema coming back after a year of injury is huge, and uh, Nehemiah Motza, the Australian kid's really good too. And then our boy Cody Kessel. Uh, there's an American on this team. There's always a lot of Americans on Berlin, uh, less this year than than many other years, but i got to give Cody a shout-out, a friend of the program. For sure. Yeah, and Cody has been playing so well. He made the World Champs roster. He competed for a spot, challenged our guys day in, day out. So shout-out to Cody Huge volleyball guy, loves volleyball, and great guy as well. Absolutely. Uh, so you just alluded to the team that we think, I mean, I'm with you. I think that Alaron Zavierce has got to be the favorites to win this pool. And I just did a big preview on the Polish Plus Liga, uh, Eric's domestic league, last week. And uh, my guest, this guy Pavel, who really knows the league well, he actually picked Zavierce to win the Plus Liga. I was surprised by that. I, I don't know if I would put him quite at that level, but uh, they're playing, I think, in their first Champions League ever. And uh, talk about a home crowd that's awesome. I saw them a little bit in like the, that, the later stages of the Plus Liga playoffs last year, and I was really, really impressed. And they went out, and even though they lost Facundo Conte on the offseason, they brought in Bartosz Krolek, who's awesome. And I, I think this team will definitely win this pool, even with like the firepower of Berlin and Ankara. I really like the Zabierce team a lot. Yeah, I think they're a great team. We just played them in a preseason tournament as well, where they didn't play all their starters. And we actually play them on Sunday in a Ooh. real match. So we'll see how that goes. But they're a great team. Um, Danani from Argentina is their libero as well, who's world class and has really, you know, kind of steadied out the passing line of that team. And, you know, they have firepower from every option. I think if they can pass the ball, they're going to be a really hard team to stop. They serve well. Um, their setter Tavares from Portugal, I believe, is running a very good offense. I think he's an under-the-radar setter that people don't give enough credit to. And I think they're going to win this pool. I, I, <laughs> I agree. I think they're going to win this pool, too. Uh, Bartosz Kvolek and Juros Kovacevic as an outside duo. And then with Denani, like those three serve receivers are elite. That's one of the best serve reception units in this whole tournament that I can think of off the top of my head. And uh, I'm not... My, my question is David Konarski. He's never been a guy that I've had a huge amount of faith in like for an entire season. I know he caught fire in the playoffs last year and kind of led him to that third place. But over a whole season, uh, can, you, can he really be efficient every match, like match in and match out? I'm not totally sure. Uh, but serve reception unit alone and just the, the skill of like a guy like Kovacevic who's just ridiculous and really difficult to play against, I think they win this pool for sure. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a challenge for any team out there. I mean, in Poland, we have 16 teams in the league now, which means a minimum of 32 um, just regular season matches plus Champions League plus the Cup. So it's a lot of matches. And Kronarski is a great player. He relies heavily on a, on a fast offense and even a very fast medium ball. So if teams can figure out a way to slow that down, it becomes a little bit more of a chance for these teams. And I know that's been a key for us in Zaxa last year, especially. Yeah. Uh, you guys, Zaxa in particular, do a really good job against opposites kind of like that. I mean, I've seen you guys totally bottle up a guy like Konarski or a guy like Jan Hadrava, Yashemski, just getting in the right spot against those medium tempo balls and really putting a lot of pressure on those guys. The thing is that this Xavierche serve reception unit is so good that it's going to be really difficult to put them out of system. And they've also got uh, your former teammate and reigning champ, Krzysztof Reno, in the middle. That was a nice offseason move for them. Yeah, we call him Pe Pepe. That's our, our boy Pepe. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, moved on to Xavierche. We're not very happy about it, but we still love the guy. And, you know, obviously we hope he does well, but he's a great middle. I mean, he's a two times Champions League winner. He started last year and. You know, it's just another challenge that these teams are going to have. Yep, uh, but I'm with you. I think Xavier is the most talented team in this pool. And uh, another thing that you can't really underrate, Michal Wieniarski coaching. I think a real rising star in international volleyball coaching and obviously an all-time great player. But I really like him as a coach, and I think that makes a difference for this team. Yeah, definitely. I think Wieniarski, he was one of the best players in the world. He's a, a Polish guy that can relate to the to the strong personalities that Polish guys often have on the volleyball court. So I think it'll be a great fit and hopefully not too great for us in the domestic league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, mark your calendars, boys and girls, uh, Zaxa versus Zavierce this weekend. I can't wait to watch that. 
Uh, last team in this pool is a really interesting one. I mean, we, we get Turkish teams playing in Champions League all the time, and some of them make really nice runs. But I've never been more excited about a Turkish team just to see what happens than Halkbank Ankara. They Not only do they get our boy Micah Ma'a from Katowice uh, to come over and set, they go out and get Namir Abdelaziz. I think that's the single biggest transfer of the entire offseason, maybe even bigger than like Semenyuk to Perugia, which was enormous. But Namir Abdelaziz leaving Modena and going to Turkey and then playing in Champions League is an insane move. And I don't know hardly anybody else, like any of the Turkish guys, I didn't recognize any of the names on the roster other than Namir and Ma'a. But we've seen what Namir can do with not very much support. The dude is an absolute monster. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you. I think it's a top two transfer out there with Semenuk, like we said. And anytime a team has a Namir on their team, they're going to be a threat. You know, it's someone that can come out and score 35 points for you and seem like it was routine. So between Micah, who's a great competitor and a great setter, and just feeding him that back set, it's something to watch out for. I think if if he can get going and, and can perform in these six matches, you know, they can make a run at first or second. Yeah, I agree. I, I've learned the hard way many times. Don't doubt a team that Namir Abdelaziz is on. If you bet against him, regardless of his supporting cast or whatever, uh, there's a very good chance he's going to prove you wrong. I mean, the, the, the Dutch won their pool at the World Championship, which was crazy, and he had some of the best matches I've ever seen. So don't sleep on him, but th- this pool is so hard. I think that Xavier Che is a little more balanced and can probably handle it. Uh, or at least match up against it with enough skill to stay in system and side out some balls. But I do see Ankara beating Berlin. Uh, I'm not sure that Berlin can handle him straight up. Namir is that good. Yeah, I think that's the matchup to watch in this pool is a Berlin Hulk bunk. I, I'm going to go out and say it's going to be a split. I think Berlin Ooh. just performs so well at home that they can get the job done and I know they're going to fight and I know they're, they're going to be prepared for the match and, and definitely key on Namir here. So I think that's one to watch and something that could kind of shake up this pool. I think I'm going to reach maybe even a little bit further and say that Xavier Chase still wins the pool, but they win it at five and one. I think Ankara grabs a match from him. I, I think that the match in Turkey, uh, you never know. I think it's very possible that Ankara grabs one. And then regardless of what they do against Berlin, uh, if that happens, if they if they take a match from Xavier, they've got a great chance to move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't even make a prediction. I think this is the most interesting t- pool to watch, pr- probably. Um, I do have to shout out, you know, that the qualifier here is potentially a Bulgarian team, Hebar, who my old coaches from Russia coach. And they have a bunch of older national team Bulgarian players who know how to play volleyball, and they are not a bad team. And I do think that they can take sets, they could take points. And like we said earlier, every point, every set matters. And I think they're one to watch. I don't think they're going to advance. I love, I love those coaches there very much. But I do think they could be a spoiler. I think that's a great point. I didn't know that Pizardzik, Hebar Pizardzik, right? I think they yes, played Champions yes. League last year or kind of recently because I've seen them before and I thought yeah the same thing bunch of like older Bulgarian former national team guys that are legends high skill high experience and are the exact type of team that you don't want as your four seed because they can kind of scare you so I think that's a great point yeah and another little story from last season's Champions League Hevar played spoiler I believe to Ruzalare or another Belgian team um, in pool play to help our team, Zaxa, advance out That's of pool. That's right. I forgot so about that. I think they might have been I, like Friedrichshafen's pool or something. Yes, 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 yes. And they had to take one point or win the match against whoever it was in order for us to advance if we had not beaten Lube in the final match. So it was this whole thing of like, are they going to win? And then we have to beat Lube, which is obviously not easy. And it was this whole like watching the score. It was right right before the match, we played one set, we went into the locker room to see who won. It was this crazy thing. And my coaches were, my ex coaches were still coaching for this Bulgarian team. And I was like, you guys, please, like, I'm, I know you can't advance out of your pool. And I'm sorry about that. But please, like, take a point tonight, like, just take that point. And they ended up doing it. So we kind of played this free match against Lube, which we ended up winning. If you remember that. Um, I do. Yeah, little, yeah. a little another story about what volleyball players 
watch and think about during these tournaments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't think that these players don't know what's going on elsewhere in the tournament, I think is the moral of the story there. Yeah, we've got someone in the YouTube live chat right now confirming that exact that exact thing. Uh, yeah, Haybar helped Zaxa last year beating Knack. They were down 2-0 and reverse swept them to take two points and uh, really yeah. helped you guys out. I remember that. I'm glad you brought that up. That was crazy. And I believe they were down like 14-11 as well in the fifth set so i remember i vividly remember i think it was after the second set against lube we were at 1-1 going into the locker room with my middle we just couldn't handle like not knowing and we went in there and we were like oh they won so like let's take a deep breath just play free in this match we were advanced nothing had changed if we lost or won and we ended up winning but yeah little little players go into the locker room and we check our phones if there's (laughs) big games sometimes yes it happens (laughs) <laughs> breaking news from Eric Stochi here on the show. But volleyball players are volleyball fans too, and they, they need yes. to know what's going on. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Pool B. I think it might be the most competitive top to bottom of any of them. I can't wait to see what Namir does. I can't wait to see what Xavier Che does. So uh, going to be a fun one. Uh, ready to move yeah. on to Pool C? Yes. Let's do it. So Pool C has got the Goliath that is Lube Chividanova. Now, I mean... Another thing that you can never, ever bet against. You can never bet against Lubechi Vodanova. We did it last year in the Italian League. We wrote them off. We're like, oh, yeah, this is Perugia's league to lose. Uh, they're going to take it easily. Nope, Lube wins the league again. And they, they, they do this sort of thing all the time. However, it's been a couple disappointing Champions Leagues in a row for Lube. You know, last year, they lost early to Yashemski. And the year before that, they lost early to Zaxa in an all-time great series with a golden set. But... Even though they had an interesting offseason, they lose Robert Landy Simone, who's a monster. Uh, they lose Osmani Juan Terena, but they're still clearly the best team in this pool. And I think have a great chance, kind of like Yashemsky in Pool A, to go 6-0 and with 18 points. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're the clear favorite. I think the question mark of, of Lubech and Vitanova this year is their position four who they had to replace both of their players, Leal and Lucarelli. And they're replacing them with one young Italian, Botolo, who's very good, and a young Bulgarian, Alex, Alex Nikolov, who played at Long Beach State. But young outsides are, you know, they're challenged in these, in these sort of situations, coming into a big team, big pressure, big league. I think they'll perform fine in this pool. I think moving forward, I think it'll be really interesting to watch, as, and also in the Italian league. But clear favorites, I'm going to go 6-0, and possibly 17 to 18 points. Okay. I mean, yeah, maybe they, they dropped two sets to tours in one of the matches, but Nak Rusolare is not a team that's going to challenge them. And whoever, uh, they have another spot in Pool C for like a, a team that's playing from the earlier rounds. I don't see anybody challenging this Lube team. I mean, we, we uh, previewed them in pretty good detail two weeks ago. We did a long preview on the Super Lega, so we don't have to go into their team in that much detail. They've got issues with the foreigner limit in Italy. But that doesn't apply in Champions League. So they can do whatever they want with their roster, uh, with all the foreigners they've got uh, playing Champions League. You've got Ivan Zaitsev and Gabby Garcia, great options at opposite. I think if they get Marlon Yant healthy, that solves a couple of those questions at the outside hitter position that Eric was talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget about Liberos because um, Balasso, the Italian Libero, who just got best Libero in the world at the World Championships, is also their Libero. So great player. Helps their team a lot. Great, de- great defender. Great passer. Shout out to Liberos. Shout out to Liberos. Uh, great point. We, Everett and I were talking about it at, at like wrapping up the World Championship. He was so good. Talking about Fabio Belasso, terrific in the in the playoffs of the World Championship and deserved that award for sure. Uh, they've also got Bartlemy Chinyezi in the middle this year, who's a monster. Um, and I, I know they tried to pick up Isak Santos, but I think his back issue might keep him out for a while. Fortunately, they have Simone Anzani, who's really good, and one of the best setters ever in Luciano DiCecco. So uh, Lube's yeah. incredible. I, I don't see them being challenged in this pool very much. No, 6-0. and 6-0 for me. Nac Rusolare of Belgium is a team that's kind of a staple in Champions League. We see them all the time winning the Belgian League, but a lot of the time I know a couple names on their roster – not so much this year. I mean, they have Stein de Holst, who used to be Lube's backup setter, and he's like yeah. came in came in for Bruno one time and did some cool things. But that's the literally the only name I recognize. So if if we have Belgian fans in the chat, let me know if there's anything notable about this Rusolari team. But I just don't happen to know anything. I don't see them making that of this pool. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know much either about them to be honest. I just I know that they have a great home court advantage. I've played there as well. Um, a great place to play. They are very a super consistent club that always challenges out there. I mean, they were on the border of making it last year to the final eight. So someone 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 to look out for a challenge out there. I don't think they're gonna beat Lube, but you know, they're gonna put up a fight. And their opposite, IE, I believe is his name, is just a young, you know, opposite that has a lot of power and he played last year as well. Cool. That's one more player on their team than I knew about. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, last but not least in this pool, because there is an open spot for a team playing from the earlier rounds, is Tours from France. Now, we already talked about the French League. Don't sleep on the French League. Uh, Tours got second place in the CEV Cup last year. Uh, they had that just ridiculous win over Skra Belkatov in the semifinals, I think. Semis, uh, I believe, yeah. That, yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, they were kind of led by Kevin Tilly last year, but he's actually moved on to the Plus Liga, so he'll play against Eric in country. Um, the names I recognize on this roster, they've got Abuba, uh, Abubakar, the old Brazilian opposite, who I think he played for Vibo Valencia a couple years ago with TJ DeFalco, and they were good. Um, they've got Benjamin Diaz at Libero, who's like the French backup who was on the world championship roster. He's really good. Yeah. And then a bunch of outside hitter names that I recognize. Uh, Polonsky from Argentina is pretty good. Uh, Darion's this little lefty from France who's pretty good. Uh, Joao Rafael is a Brazilian guy who's good. So there are some names on this tour's roster that have been around before. I think they're the second best team in this pool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it's not necessarily these names that are going to pop out at you like a Lube roster, but they're good players, consistent, going to put up a fight. And also, I think Tour has probably the best home court advantage um, in this pool. We saw it last year in CEV Cup. It just, it's wild to it play there. It was crazy. And crazy I think that's going to help them get second in this pool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we can't discount the home court advantage in volleyball. I mean, Eric's felt it before. You've played in some amazing environments. And now it's great to, I think we can hope that we'll have full fan capacity in the stands this entire year, both domestic and uh, CEV competition, which is great news. And uh, that will be a factor. And I know it's a big deal for clubs to play Champions League who aren't there every year like a team like Lube is because that their fans really get behind that. You can expect all the three matches tours plays at home to be sellouts and be crazy crowds. Yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to a great environment. I'm going to go with Lube and tour. And I don't think Ruzalade is going to be a top third place team. Yeah, I'm exactly right there with you. Uh, ready for the next pool, which is one that we'll definitely have to spend some time on. <laughs> that is Pool D. Pool D featuring the two-time defending champions, Zaksa Kenzirj and Kozle. Represent, Eric. You've got this. Here, got, this one. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> you've got the hoodie on. You've got the Zaksa flag behind you. Uh, two-time, I mean, two-time defending champions. We'll talk a lot about Eric's team in just a second. But uh, we had a, a comment earlier in the YouTube chat saying, where was God during this drawing of lots giving Zaxa Trentino again in pool play? For the third year in a row, we're going to see Zaxa versus Trentino. This time we'll see it twice. This time we'll see it in pool play. I, I mean, we, we'll spend seconds on uh, VT Menon and then Carlo Varsco, the other two teams in this pool. Zaxa versus Trentino is my favorite matchup in, in the fourth round of Champions League for sure. Yeah, I think God, the volleyball gods were just laughing when this was <laughs> announced. I mean, it was it was just one of those things. I saw the draw and I was just like, "Yep, of that's course." Just the way. There's always there's always a storyline in Champions League. It's whether I played against my brother or these two teams played against each other that were ex coaches or something. There's always something, and I think this is the storyline this year. Two two finals in a row with these teams and. I know we saw the draw and we we're kind of like, yep. Yeah, of is, course. This is just how it's going to go. Of course it is. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to the latest chapter in the Trentino-Zaxa budding rivalry, I guess. Uh, we can talk about Trentino for a minute before we talk about your team, Eric. They're basically the same team as last year. Uh, they're going to run the three outside hitter system again with Lavia at opposite, quote unquote. Uh, but they pick up two kind of key additions. One is Donovan Zavaronuk from Monza, a Czech guy who's really good and kind of fits that tall, skilled outside hitter mold really well, uh, which will allow them to not have to play Matej Kaziski every match, which is a luxury. And then they get a new libero in Gabriele Lorenzano, who's this young Italian kid who I think is awesome. Other than that, exactly the same team. Two great Serbian middles 
the unicorn, Alessandro Micheletto, and then Ricardo Spiritoli's setting. So, uh, Eric, you know this Trentino team very well. Uh, what can we expect out of them this year? Great volleyball. <laughs> yep. A very hard team. A very hard team to win against. They're going to compete night in, night out. I, they also picked up Nelly, I believe, at opposite. Yeah who is a traditional true opposite. So if they do need to throw him in at a certain point, you know, he can be effective there. But I mean, they have half the national team out there, including the two best Serbian middles in um, on their national team as well. So a great team, nothing else to say. Going to be tough to beat. Well said. Uh, Going to be tough to beat. I'm very excited to see if you, Eric, and Zaksa can beat them and take first place in this pool. I think it's clearly a two-team race. Let's talk about your team for a minute here. I mean, the two-time defending champions, uh, incredible, incredible runs the last two years. Uh, You joined after the first one and were obviously a huge part of the second one. And the roster this year uh, to try and get after the three-peat is almost exactly the same. Uh, One one thing to note is uh, we're still waiting on your boy Norbert Huber to get healthy. And in the meantime, you've got Pashitsky, the Ukrainian guy who is awesome. So outstanding third middle, no concerns there. Still got our boy David Smith, your upstairs neighbor. He's the man. Still got Wukash Kachmarak, who's incredible. Probably watching right now. (laughs) I hope he is. I've gotten to know uh, I've gotten to know his wife, Kelly. She watches the show. So shout shout out to the Smith family. Uh, Martin Janusz is the man. Alexander Shlivka is the man. Uh, Some guy named Eric Shoji, I hear he's pretty good. But uh We've got to talk about the loss of the reigning Champions League MVP. No more Camille Semenyuk. He is off to Perugia. How, Eric, do you guys fill that hole? That is not an easy task. You know, I don't, I don't know if fill is the right word. I think if someone like Semen, Semenyuk leaves a team, it's going to leave a glaring hole no matter which team he's leaving. You know, he's just that kind of player, such a great guy, great work ethic, hard worker and amazing player. So, you know, I think we're not necessarily looking to fill. We're, we're looking to supplement with, with the rest of us. You know, we all know we need to step up in different ways, um, whether it's our, our Zielinski, who's been playing outside for us recently, our fourth outside, Adi, who is a Polish player. And then we hired a young Bulgarian, Denis Karyagin, um, who's actually been playing really well. He just hurt his ankle, unfortunately, but he's been improving day by day. So, you know, I think it's a year where we're not going to see the same seven guys like we saw last year. I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, ins and outs based on health, based on, you know, how we're feeling. And, you know, it's, it's going to be a team, team, team effort. And then, you know, hopefully in February, January, February, we're going to get Hooper back in the middle and, and change things up there and, and have some, some more depth there. But, you know, I think we're a great team. I think that we have some different challenges this year, but I think we're going to compete. I think you will too. I mean, for the people that have been writing Zaxa off because of the loss of Semenyuk and not like replacing him one for one with an elite player of that caliber, uh, look at the two matches that Zaxa's played this regular season so far. I mean, the first match, Martin Janusz didn't even see the court at all, and Shlivka barely did. I mean, you had Karyagin and Jelinski at outside hitters, and you took a very good Olsen team and beat him pretty easily. And then you took a pretty good Lublin team and swept them again with Zielinski at outside hitters. So uh, if people are talking about the demise of Zaxa, uh, you, you, should, you should check this team out this year. It is not, not nearly the drop-off that some people expected, even losing a player of Semenyuk's caliber. Yeah, I think that, that first match, we were a little bit in shambles. We had some sickness, some different injuries. Um, Shlivka was not even scheduled to play, and he ended up playing a little bit. So, you know, we're going to find different ways to win. I think Lukasz Kaczmarek has been playing great at opposite. Our middles are steady, 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 killing Amazing. pretty much, I don't know, 80% of the balls. And, you know, Marcin Janusz is the Polish national team setter, so he knows what to do out there. So, you know, I don't think we're going to be quite the same team as last year, but, you know, we're going to fight, we're going to compete, and... um you know, we have a lot of a lot of winners on this team that aren't going to go down without, you know, competing as hard as we can. I'm glad you brought that up, the the winning experience. I mean, you don't win two Champions Leagues in a row for no reason. There is a, a skill in winning and learning how to win. And the two Zaxa runs the last two years have been filled with crazy matches and just key situations where you'd have to come up with something incredibly clutch and figure out how to win. How, Eric, do you think the experience of your team having done that now 
with every pretty much everyone on the team having at least one Champions League, if not two. How do you think that gives you an advantage this season? I think it's an advantage because you feel confidence in these tense moments. You know, everyone, everyone gets nervous. Everyone, you know, maybe feels a little bit down if you're not playing as well. But when you hit that 2020 mark in a, in a set, you know, I feel like the last couple of years, Zaxa had that confidence. We were going to win that set. We're going to win it no matter how. And even if we're down two points, we're going to come back and win that set. So there's confidence in winning those close sets and knowing how to win those close sets. And, and that's just being super consistent, steady, and competing all the way through. I think there's a lot of teams like that in their domestic leagues as well. But in Champions League, somehow, Zaxa has managed to find that the last two years. Yes, you have. Uh, so I cannot wait. Zaxa versus Trentino. I need to look up the exact dates and times of those matches. <laughs> I actually think we know them. Yeah, let's see. Uh, we probably do. We do. So there's November 29th is one uh, in Trento. And then, let's see, January 25th in Kenzujin Kozle. So th- th- those those two dates, for what it's worth, uh, are, are going to be ones to watch. Uh, hopefully the CV puts some English commentary on those. And I would I would happily volunteer to do a little bit of that if, if, <laughs> if it works out that way. Uh, I, I did a, some English commentator out there. Yeah, somebody. Uh, <laughs> I, I did a couple of Trentino games last year. I did not get to do any Zaxa games last year, so I, I would like to change that. Uh, yeah, I mean, two-horse race in this pool. I don't know very much about Menen from Belgium. Never really heard of him, honestly. Didn't know anybody on the roster. And Karl Varsko in the Czech League. Uh, only two guys I knew were uh, Wessel Kiemink, who's the Dutch setter. And then James Weir, who's an Australian middle that played U Sports, a university in Canada. That's that's all I've got on those two teams. Yes, I believe I wrote something else down. Well, they also have Sasak, who is a Polish um, opposite. He played in Gdansk last year alongside, oh, the legend. I cannot uh, remember Vlazwi? his name right now. Vlazwi, yeah, Vlazwi, yes. So he, he played a bunch last season. Big Polish, tall, powerful opposite. So for me, I do think that they're going to beat the Belgian team, who I don't know very much about. I possibly heard that they're a team that did well in the Belgian league and then lost all their players, but I don't know enough about them. But I think the Czech team is going to compete a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think Karlo Varsko third is pretty safe, but no chance they beat Trentino or Zaxa, in my opinion. Hope not. Hope well, not. Well, <laughs> if they if they want to beat Trento, that's fine with me. Uh, but, that's um, true. But that, that would be kind of not us. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool, huh? Get, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a five five and one split. Ah, yeah. I like that. I could totally see it. I could totally see a Zaxa Trentino split. It's a little bit of a cop out, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, we can't we'll expect see. you to pick your own pool. Your job is to go out and try and win the pool. So yeah, we'll see. exactly. Not really. <laughs> Not really feeling that comfortable over here picking this one, but don't um, don't blame you. We'll, we'll just we'll just say Trento and us are going to come out of this pool. I think that's pretty safe to say. Uh, okay. Last but not least, we've got Pool E, and we talked about your former teammate Camille Semenyuk and his new home in Perugia. I mean, we talked about it when we did the Super League preview two weeks ago. I think the, the the main takeaway that my Italian buddy Tommy had was. It would be remarkable if Perugia found a way not to win everything they participated in with this roster. It is absolutely ridiculous. And even like Zirat Bancasa Ankara, I would say, is the second best team in Pool E. Not a chance. No way does anybody challenge Perugia. They can bench Wilfredo Leon and still go 6 0 with 18 points. Agreed. Superstars, name, eye popping roster. I. I think this whole tournament is theirs to lose. I think I they're the favorites. Um, six and zero, eighteen points. Insane team. Ridiculous. <laughs> you Ridiculous. can name the names. I'm just gonna sit back. And I don't even need to name the names. They have, yeah. they, have the, they have the best player in the world, and Wilfredo Leon, and they can bench him and play Semenyuk and Plotnitsky at outside, still have two world-class players and beat everyone in this pool. We uh, we did a fun little exercise and we previewed the Superliga and said, like, all right, if you took only the Perugia bench, like the seven guys that are likely on the bench, would they make the playoffs in Italy? And our overwhelming response was, yes, they probably would. That's how stacked they are. 
that's wild. I don't know their roster top to bottom, and I don't know the Italian rosters, but that doesn't surprise me with some of these names that I've written down over here. Yeah, so crazy. Gianelli, uh, Rick Liskey, who randomly was given Italian citizenship over the summer. Uh, he's he's still going to count as a, he's still going to count as a foreigner for the league this oh. year, but. Yeah, the, the government kind of came out of the clouds and just like gave him Italian citizenship for some reason. That was oh. an interesting topic. Uh, great middles. I mean, Sebastian Soleil now counts as Italian for the league, which is yes. amazing, but that doesn't matter for Champions League. They go out and get Flavio, who's a monster. Uh, Massimo Colacci and Piccinelli, both great liberos. And I mean, we already talked about the outside hitters. Like the team's ridiculous. They're absolutely ridiculous and they're going to win this pool. Uh, I do want to talk about the other teams, though, because. You mentioned Duran early on in the show. Uh, Power Volley's Duran from Germany. I am with you. I don't know if I've ever seen them in Champions League before. And they, yeah, because they took third in Germany last year. That normally wouldn't get a Champions League spot, but this year it does. The German League is cool because there's no foreigner limits. A lot of teams go out and bring in a ton of international guys. Not Duran. They're almost exclusively German players, at least with the roster that I was looking at but not very many German players that I recognized. Like, not a lot of guys that I knew from the national team. Yeah, I mean, Duran, they've had a strangely consistent roster even since I've been in Germany with Gewirt at opposite, Kochian at setter. Those two guys have been pretty much mainstays for, for Duran. They have a great arena, great home court advantage like we've talked about. I just don't know if they have the firepower to compete in this pool and make it out. Yeah, and I think that the third team in this pool is Dirapan Casa Ankara does have the firepower to make it out of this pool. Uh, I, I commentated one of their games last year in Champions League where they played Varshava and they destroyed them. Like they, they made Varshava look kind of silly, and I was really surprised. Uh, they've got an outstanding setter, and Arshan Ekshi, who's the Turkish starting setter who Eric played against at the World Championship, he's awesome. Valter uh, Termat, Dutch opposite, who you don't hear much about him because he plays behind Namir, but for some reason he's just a monster in the club game. He always has great seasons. Got Martina Tanisov and Benny Tweenstra at outside hitters, both great. They've got two good Turkish middles, and I think they've got the Turkish national team starting libero. So I think they're clearly the, the second best team in this pool. I don't think they're going to beat Perugia, but I could see them beating somebody in that play and round of the bracket. That's how much respect I have for this Ankara team. Yeah, I mean, I wrote down all those names as well. I think they're a powerful team. Both of their middles are the, the middles that we face in World Championships in the round of 16 as well. So this is a team that has experience. I think anytime you have a setter like Exe who just clearly runs the show, um, they're going to compete and they, they're going to know how to you know take some points, take some sets. And I do think they're going to get second, probably with 12 points. Yeah, I'd say so. Four and two with 12 points yeah. is pretty fair for them. I think they can beat Durin both times. And if you, if, you get four, if you get four wins, you're basically guaranteed to make it out. If, even if you get yeah. third place somehow with four wins, uh, you're going to be good with that. And I agree. I think that's, that's a, a fair expectation for this Ankara team. Yeah. Uh, last but not least is Ljubljana uh, from Slovenia, who's had some nice international talent come through there in the past. I know that Kyle D'Agostino played for them for a minute. I know that another Stanford guy, Eric Michalski, played for them for a minute. Uh, right now, the only names I know, uh, Yanni Kovacic, who's the Slovenian starting libero, is there. He's awesome. Uh, Vuk Todorovic is the Serbian probably second setter. Uh, he's going to start for them. And then uh, Nemanja Masulovic is a Serbian middle that I saw at VNL, like the first week of VNL this year with the Serbian national team. I think he's pretty good. Uh, other than that, I didn't know any of the names. Uh, I think they can challenge Durin to not get fourth, but I don't see them making it out of the pool. Yeah, again, I think they're a team that's always in Champions League, so they know how to be there. They know how to play in these matches. I just don't know if they're going to beat Perugia or Zerat Bank. So it's it's going to be a third or fourth, and I'm not sure they're going to get enough points to to be that top third place team. Yeah, I agree, uh, but certainly not a pushover as far as fourth-seeded teams in the pool go. Yeah, I will shout out Ljubljana, the city and the volleyball kind of federation there. They've done an amazing job the last couple of years hosting world champs, and they also hosted the Super Finals of Champions League last year. Amazing city, amazing, amazing organization. From what I know, nothing has gone wrong, <laughs> really, as a player. <laughs> 
you know, playing there. So shout out to them. They've been doing amazing things for volleyball and for CEB and FIBB. So uh, agreed. They, they did a great job with the super finals last year for sure. And I'm curious to see where, where it ends up this year. But uh, Eric, I'm sure you always have nice memories of Ljubljana for uh, one Very particular match so. that you played there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So before we wrap up the show, let's look at the bracket one more time. Uh, so just a reminder of kind of how this is going to work. Uh, 11 team bracket this year. No drawing of lots. None of that. Uh, if you win your pool, you go straight to the round of eight. If you get second in your pool, you advance. If you're the best ranked third place team among the five third place teams, you advance as well. And those six teams will play in sort of an earlier round. Uh, I couldn't find quickly, Eric, if it's home and away. In those series or not, it's a that's the CV website doesn't go that far just yet, but I'm gonna yeah. assume that it is uh, based on past years. Me too. And, me too. Yeah, and that's when it's gonna get really good. Uh, there's gonna be no more like pushover fourth place teams at that point. There's gonna be even from that that round of like the second and third place teams, crazy good matches, and we'll really know a lot about the teams by that point after you know, what we've always seen for about half a club season, it's going to be electric. Champions League is electric every year, and I kind of like this format to extend the great matches a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a battle. I don't know what else to say about it. I think, you know, we've highlighted a lot of these teams, super competitive, high level, just amazing superstar players. So I'm excited to get going in a couple of months, prepare for that a little bit, and then, you know, battle it out and try to make these playoffs and make another run. Make another run. Uh, so, Eric, best of luck, dude. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I cannot wait to see you guys play this Plus League season and Champions League. Try and grab a third one of those trophies in a row, uh, starting with those first two Trentino matches. Uh, very excited for those. Uh, so best of luck this year, and thanks for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. anything, anything else for the people uh, before we get you out of here? Uh, for the people... Nothing much. I mean, I appreciate all your guys' support. Thanks for watching this show and for supporting volleyball and keep it going. I think the more we grow, the the more shows like this we'll have and more mainstream TV and, and YouTube events. And I don't know. I love it. I'm a fan. And thanks for watching. Absolutely. Uh, go check out Eric's YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that. Make sure you're subscribed to Volleyball Source, obviously. And, and if you want a lot more volleyball content, uh, there is a link in the description to the Volleyball Source Discord. Uh, it's the best online chat community of volleyball in the world by far. I think I, somebody pointed out today we have 870 people in there, which is crazy. There's so nice. many just volleyball obsessed people. We get some insider info from all over the world. So uh, join that if you like this show. Uh, and keep up to tabs on this YouTube channel and Eric's YouTube channel for more great stuff throughout the season. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Eric, for coming. Uh, thank you all for watching. We will see you next time.